Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. And before the episode begins, I would just like to let you know that Be Scared, which is produced along with Studio 71, features scary stories from around the globe on a weekly basis that aim to fuel your nightmares with a smile. And if you enjoy the podcast, it would be great if you could hit that subscribe button and drop a review. But thanks for listening guys, and without further ado, let's begin. It was September in central Idaho. Autumn had come to the mountains and with it bow hunters looking for mountain goats. My cousin Vern is an avid hunter. He's been all over North America hunting various game. Bears in Alaska, wild dogs in Texas, bighorn sheep in Wyoming. But his favorite hunting area was the Lemhi Mountain Range in central Idaho. Our extended family has been hunting in those mountains for generations. We know every river bottom and mountain peak like many people know their own neighborhoods. Mountain goats are a fascinating animal to hunt. They live well above the tree line in rocky environments. They are sure-footed and can climb near vertical slopes. Hunting these animals requires one to venture into these dangerous areas too. And you have to be mindful as you pursue an animal like that. One wrong step on a rocky slope or one loose rock could mean that you're not going home ever again. Vern was an expert mountain hunter. It's something that I think that he was born to do. Now Vern decided to hunt in the Hayden River area. It's a familiar spot to most locals and the area is home to plenty of mountain goats. The first mile of Vern's hike was uneventful as he climbed up the canyon. 
The air was crisp and his breath formed in great plumes as he progressed. The sun was just peeking over the mountains when Vern came to a small deer trail. He decided that it might be a nice shortcut from his usual route and took it. A few hundred feet up the trail, he saw something odd pop out from behind a tree though. It was a man. He was dressed in a light denim coat and jeans and was carrying a small backpack. My cousin stopped for a second to get his bearings, unsure of where this guy came from. The man waved at him with both arms. One of them was holding an older style hunting bow and acknowledging him, Vern waved back. Although the man looked to be physically fine, it was clear that he was emotionally distressed. He yelled out something my cousin couldn't quite hear and waved his arm, indicating that my cousin should follow him. Vern didn't get any bad vibes from this guy and could tell that he was genuinely in need of some help. He began to make his way up the canyon following this mystery man. Vern could never gain any ground on this guy though. He was always just far enough away that he couldn't really talk to him. Periodically, the man would stop, turn towards him to make sure Vern was still following him. Every time that he looked back, Vern could see the worry in his face. My cousin did his best to remain calm and keep a smile on his face, unsure who or what he was being led to. It was peculiar, Vern thought as he hiked. He hadn't seen any other vehicles on his drive up to the trailhead. Perhaps he came in from another ridge or something? What could he possibly be leading him to, though? He figured one of his hunting party had been hurt and needed help. Of course, he wouldn't have had to speculate if the man would just stop and talk to him for five minutes. Vern, though, lost sight of the guy, just past a, a turn in the trail. The trail opened up into an incredibly steep, rocky talus slope. He looked in every direction, and he couldn't locate the man when he heard a whistle. Looking up, he saw the guy, about 500 feet, up the rocky slope, waving at him. There was just no possible way that he could have gotten up that far in just the short time that Vern lost sight of him. Mind you, he still didn't feel any fear or wariness about the weird situation. The man was waving more frantically now, practically begging Vern to follow him up the slope. With a sigh and a grunt, he started up the rocks. It was slow going. Every other step caused a mini rock slide and could cause him to continually lose his footing. Huffing and puffing on the cool thin air, my cousin eventually made it to a small landing. It had taken him almost 45 minutes to get to that spot where he saw the man from below. There was no earthly way that anyone could have done that scramble up that hill any faster. Totally exhausted though and out of breath, Vern sat down on the stone landing. He looked around and couldn't see the man anywhere at this point. As he scanned his surroundings, he saw something odd poking out of the boulder about 20 feet away from him. Walking over to it, he found a weathered boot. Two boots, actually. Inside of those boots, and under the boulder as well, were bones. Vern looked around once again for the man, but he never did see him again. Weirdly enough, instead of feeling eerie or unnerving, Vern felt a sense of relief wash over him. He speculates that these emotions were not his own. What he felt seemed to have come from all around him. He marked the spot with his GPS and he decided to make his way down and call the authorities. 
The county sheriff's office responded and he led them up the canyon to the body. It took four grown men to push the boulder out of the way and when they did, they found the skeletonized remains of a man. On the body, they found hunting equipment and some personal effects. From a credit card in the wallet, they were able to identify the man. He was a bow hunter that had gone missing almost exactly 53 years beforehand. Vern never wanted to be identified to the public or the missing hunter's family. He didn't want any recognition for something like that. To him, it was just one of those bizarre mountain stories that you hear from time to time. He was happy that the family got closure, even if it was half a century later. The only thing that bothered him, though, was the man leading him up the canyon and with his strange and sudden disappearance like that. He had mentioned the waving man to the sheriff, but was brushed off. When news reports came out announcing the discovery, several photos of the man were published, and Vern was absolutely shocked when he saw them. In the photos was the man that he had seen leading him up the mountain to the body. It finally made sense to him, the man's distressful look, the constant checking if Vern was following him, the sense of relief that he felt when the body was discovered. That man was desperate to get home, and through Vern, he was able to be reunited with his family. Apartments.com believes that a dishwasher does more than just clean plates. It turns your whole place into a time machine by turning the time that you would have spent washing dishes into extra time for you. That could mean more time to read, more time to knit, or more time to contemplate the vastness of time itself. With Apartments.com, finding somewhere to live with an elusive dishwashing slash time-expanding device is easy. Apartments.com hosts the most rental listings with over 1 million available units. And with comprehensive search tools and instant alerts, you never have to worry about missing out on the perfect place. To find whatever you're searching for and more, visit Apartments.com, the place to find a place. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. I am in university right now, but staying with my parents at their house for the summer. I was hanging out with one of my friends and we decided to go to a party. I met this guy around my age when we were talking and having fun, but it was nothing too serious or anything, or so I thought. We exchanged phone numbers, we hung out a couple of times, but he became incredibly clingy right from the start, so I decided to distance myself in the hope that he would get the hint and back off. 
Well, he didn't. When I stopped responding, he sent me over 100 messages, with each message becoming increasingly more aggressive as time went on. Keep in mind that it had been less than two weeks since we first met. I finally responded and told him that he needed to chill out. He appeared to calm down a bit after I responded, but he then asked for a phone call. I agreed and we talked for a while. He told me that he couldn't stop thinking about me, that I was the best thing that ever happened to him, etc. Just a, a bunch of stuff that is way too intense to say to someone that you barely know. I tried to let him down gently, reminding him that I was only home for the summer and wasn't looking for anything serious beyond a fling, but this only seemed to make him angrier. He started yelling at me, insulting me, calling me all sorts of names, basically a complete 180 from what he had been saying mere minutes ago. Then, all of a sudden the phone went silent. After a pause, he said in a quiet voice, you had better get ready because I'm coming over for you and then he hung up the phone. This was obviously very frightening because he knew that my parents were out of town for the week and that I was staying at their house alone. However, he didn't know where my parents' house was because I was always the one driving and he didn't know my friend either so I thought that he had no way of figuring it out since, again, I'm normally living at school in another state. Regardless, I locked all the doors and shut the blinds just in case. After a while though, maybe an hour or so, I fell asleep. When I woke up, I looked at my phone and I saw a notification on my lock screen. It was from the Ring app, indicating that there had been movement on my parents' camera. And it was him. If you watch the video, you can clearly see something in his hand as well. When he notices the camera, however, he left. I immediately blocked him on everything and I reported the incident. I have no idea what he planned to do once he got here. It was terrifying though to realize that he had come over when I was asleep and defenseless and completely unaware of his presence. As I would later find out, he was able to get my address from my phone number. Apparently, he googled it and... It returned my dad's name as the owner of the phone number, along with my parents' address. Since I'm on my parents' phone plan, I guess it shows up that I still live here. This revelation was horrifying as I never knew that my phone number could reveal my home address like that. I'm still extremely upset that this kind of private information is on the internet for pretty much anyone to find as it's incredibly dangerous that websites will just give this away to anyone. So please, learn from my mistakes and do not give anyone your phone number unless you trust them. I found out that you can get a free Google Voice number to text and call people, and that number cannot be traced back to you so easily. My advice is to use a disposable number for anyone you're talking to that you meet informally or online. I really still can't sleep very well at night, and hopefully this never happens to anyone else. Back some 20 years ago, I had a guy that I knew from college that was getting into real estate and asked me to show some homes for some experience, and we were actually looking. I get to the house but don't see his car, and it is pouring rain. I wait in my car for a few, and maybe about five minutes later, 
the porch light turned on. I figured that he must have drove a different vehicle and parked along the road. So I got out and went to the door, but when I got there, it was locked. I knocked, but there was no answer, and I was absolutely soaked at this point. Just as I started back to my car, my friend pulled in. He asked why I was waiting in the rain like that, and I told him what happened. Halfway through my explanation, the porch light goes back off. We approach the door, knock, and again, there's no answer. He accessed the key in the agent box, and we go in. We check the switch inside the front, and it is the one for the porch light. And once it was back on, we looked for a sensor, but there was none. First off, there's creepy vibes and no lights on. As we work through from front to back, we turn on the lights and turn them back off again on the way to the front. The upstairs is accessed in the front of the home, so when we go up, all the downstairs lights are off except for the front room. We go up, start looking at the rooms, and that was when a knocking starts. Three at first that makes us both give the what the heck did you just hear that look to each other. Then after a bit, three more but much louder this time. We started to nope out of there and as we got the lights out and headed back downstairs, we heard three poundings from the hallway at the top of the stairs, now dark but in clear sight. At this, we head for the door quickly but just as we're getting the key ready for the box, we notice the light in the very backside room is now on again. My friend asked if I would go with him to shut it off and I convinced him in the end to just leave it on. It seemed very sus in fact, almost like a, a trap I felt and as a grown man I was feeling a fear that honestly I am very unaccustomed to. As we left though, the porch light came back on again. We never did go back, but we have driven by several times just to look at that house. So before I begin, I would just like to say that this has been reported to local police with as much detail as possible. So, I've been searching for several hours on who to reach out to and how to put this into words, something that I went through this evening. I came across this place and I decided that this is something that I should share. So, tonight my girlfriend, 22 year old female, and I, 23 year old female, were heading home from a picnic at a local park. As we drove away from the park and approached the stop sign, I noticed that there was a car parked at the stop sign. I remember thinking to myself that it seemed a bit odd. We pulled up to the car and we stopped. And when I looked over, I saw a man, his wrists tied together, a terrifying expression on his face as if he was screaming or crying for help. I instantly froze and asked my girlfriend if she had seen what I did. As we had pulled just forward from the car, she asked what I saw, turned around, and he was still there, wrists together on his steering wheel, staring and making eye contact with her. We both panicked, asking, do we call 911? Do we circle back around, trying to make sense of what we just saw? And I think it hit us both at the same time when we realized that it was most likely a tactic to lure us closer to his car. I know that I've personally read multiple stories of possible trafficking tactics happening in my county. I'm lucky to have seen these and I knew to get away as soon as I could. 
Sure enough too, when we drove off, he followed us for about half a mile until we got to a busier road and we finally lost him. I've been in a state of fear and confusion and panic ever since this. It may seem like an overreaction, but I have, one, never been in a fearful situation such as this, and two, never seen someone tied up before in possible danger before recognizing the signs. I guess that I'm looking for reassurance, wondering if anyone out there had been in the same or similar situation as this and what they did. I'm really shaken up by this and truly I'm a bit baffled that we live in a world where things like this can happen. Stay safe everyone. When I was 17, I was asked to babysit for a family friend. She had four kids, ages 11 to 4. They lived in a really old house and the three girls shared a room together as well. I babysat really late at night because the mum's work shift was like 8pm to 2am, so I was mainly there to put the kids to sleep and then wait for their mum to come home. Their house always made me feel a, a little bit uncomfortable. It was old and it made a lot of noises. After I put the kids to sleep one night, I went back to the living room, sat on the couch and I was just scrolling on my phone. Their dog started barking towards the back of the kitchen. I was confused at what they were barking at, so I thought that maybe the wind outside was spooking them or something. It was really windy that night. They stopped barking, but then started to run back and forth down the hallway between the living room and the kids' rooms. I was trying to calm them down because I didn't want them to wake up the kids. They finally settled down, but then I heard the girls scream... The three girls share a room, and they came running out crying, saying, The man with red eyes and no arms is back in the closet. The oldest said he was staring at us again. I was also scared now. So I told the girls to stay in the living room until their mum came home. I realized their little brother, four-year-old, was still sleeping in his room next to the girls' room. I couldn't just leave him by himself, so I told myself that I wasn't scared and I went to get him so that he could be in the living room with all of us. As I was getting him, the dog started running back and forth again and I could hear the girls say, he's here, he's here. I got their brother and ran back to the living room but didn't see anyone except the girls crying. That night, they all fell asleep with the lights on in the living room. The mum was upset at me for not making them sleep in their rooms, so she never asked me to babysit again. To be honest, I was pretty happy about that, but I still shudder when I think about that night. What was that all about? Why did the dogs go nuts like that? Were the kids actually seeing something? Why couldn't I see it? I still have a, a lot of questions to this day. So I was standing out with my older brother, both of us smoking cigarettes, outside of my parents' porch. My family and I grew up in a very superstitious part of the American Southwest. I guess you could say in a part of America where there is a very strong fear of skinwalkers. I know, another skinwalker story, right? But what I witnessed alongside of my brother, honestly, it felt chillingly real. 
A few years before this incident, my older brother and I encountered something in our parents' backyard, so we've always been a bit on edge at night around our neighborhood. Still am to this day. That and we grew up in a culture that discourages people from wandering around at night without some sort of cultural blessing. But we were a few years older, smoking our cigarettes, catching up, because my brother was attending college in the city and I was finishing up my junior year in high school. I was rambling on about something when I saw my brother's startled look out at our neighbor's yard. I looked over at what he was staring at and found myself looking at a shadow figure standing outside of our neighbor's house. It's difficult to describe this shadow as its figure was basically blacker than the night outside the dim glow of the streetlights, having an almost shadow radiance, if that makes any sense. But whatever it was, it was standing on the side of our neighbor's house, and while I couldn't see its face, I just knew that it was staring at our neighbor's draped windows. My brother and I looked at each other with disbelief. I mean, we'd both heard the stories about skinwalkers roaming around at night. We both witnessed that sort of thing years ago, but it was only a glimpse followed by hearing the most otherworldly, horrifying howl that sounded both sort of human and animal. But this, this was different. It was like seeing something that we were never meant to see. Something even more sinister than before. We said nothing to each other, turning our gaze back towards the figure, which was still staring at the neighbor's window. After what seemed like a, a long moment, the figure started to slowly turn and walk to our neighbor's backyard. But the way that it moved was a surreal sight. It looked to be both sort of moving slow and fast at the same time, like jogging in place except it was gliding along. Then it moved towards a, a group of neighborhood dogs, and I knew that these were neighborhood dogs because I recognized almost every one of them under the dim tangerine backyard light, but they weren't scared by the shadow figure. In fact, they almost looked to be welcoming it. The dogs formed a crowd around the figure which stopped and... I swear to this day, morphed down onto all fours, sprang a back tail, and disappeared into the night with a group of neighborhood dogs following. I looked at my brother and asked, what did you put into those cigarettes? We both nervously chuckled, but we knew what we saw and we hurried back inside, making sure that we took our cigarette butts with us. Inside, our dad and youngest brother were asleep, but our mum was still up. We told our mother what had happened and she instructed us to go outside to get some wood to burn. She smeared ash on our foreheads and we ventured outside to gather some firewood. While walking towards the wood pile, we noticed that our streetlight, which was on when we were heading back inside after stamping out our cigarettes, was now out. The only streetlight out in the entire neighborhood. We saw it as a sign of something being around and we hurried to gather the wood. Right when we were about to head inside, we could smell it. The strong, putrid scent of a dead animal. We knew right there and then that we were in the middle of those stories that we'd heard about skinwalkers. We didn't stop to take a look around, and instead we just made haste back to our house and we instantly built a fire. We told our mum what we had smelt outside and she marched outside with a fresh tin of ash to confront whatever was out there. She yelled in English and her native language to leave us alone, we never did anything to you, 
and commanded it for it to leave by the traditional ways and the way of Jesus Christ. She sprinkled ash outside our front and back porch and anchored a bow and arrow above the door leading out towards the back porch. We slept that night without any more incidences, but months later when I moved to a city to live with my older brother and work for the summer, I get a call from my mum. She told me that the neighbour who lived in the house that the shadow figure was outside of apparently had died of cancer. I don't know if that is just coincidence or not, but whatever we saw that night, it still gives me chills when I think about it to this day. This happened about a year ago now. I was living in Barrio Logan in San Diego at the time. My place was the side entrance of a duplex and the house was right next to a park. One night at around 11pm, I was playing Call of Duty. I had my front door open and the screen door locked to help cool the house down. As I was playing with my friends, I heard screaming outside but thought that it was just my game. But I then heard it again followed by a female scream. My friends over my headset pointed it out and asked me what was going on in my house. I replied to them that I thought that that was my game and nothing is happening in my home. I got up though and checked outside. Right across the street there was a, a man shoving a woman around the street and hit her while she was screaming. She pulls out her phone and he grabbed it and threw it across the road at my fence. He never saw me though. He then runs around the corner and she goes the opposite way. I run out and catch her around the corner and I'm trying to help her out. She kept walking and blankly stared at me over her shoulder. I asked her if she had somewhere to go and she didn't reply. I asked if she needed help and with that she replied with go away in a, a shaky voice. I was going to turn back to my house when the man whips around the corner and starts screaming at me. He starts telling me that I'm getting into something that I don't need to be in. I, I got a really weird feeling from that guy. He then puts his hand under his shirt and asks if I'm trying to get shot. I back off and said, hey look, I'm sorry. I wasn't trying to get into someone's business. I just saw her crying and asked if she was okay, but I'll let you handle it. I walk past him to go back home and he starts walking behind me. I started sprinting and sprinted all the way around the block, took the back entrance to the alley and went inside. I called the police and five minutes later, five squad cars zoomed by my home. I'm still not sure if they actually caught the guy or not. So I recently got a job at my local liquor store. My job is five minutes away from my place and I honestly love this job because it's really chill and since I'm a local I already know many of the customers that come in on a regular basis. This job helped me get back into contact with a lot of people that I haven't seen for a few years as well. One day an old friend, his name is Steve from high school, walks in and he remembers me. We hadn't seen each other for a few years, so we had a nice talk and made plans to hang out with a mutual friend sometime in the near future. I remember that we talked about how our mutual friend would do this thing where he would tell these stories that sounded super fake and made up. For example, he told both of us a story about how he supposedly got shot in the leg. 
but the story was different every time. Anyway, I tell Steve that our mutual friend is like Paul Bunyan with all his tall tales. Steve laughs and says, yeah, totally bro, he is Paul Bunyan. I remember that he had bought some beatboxes, which are this alcoholic beverage that's pretty popular in my store. I remember the exact flavor that he had and everything, and I remember clearly asking him if those things were any good, and Steve tells me, yeah, they mess you up. About a week later, I come into work and I see my co-worker, Diane. She is acting strange in a way where I suspect that she's going through something tough in her life. She asks me if I remember Steve and I say, yes, of course. She informs me that, apparently, he had passed away. I asked if it was an overdose and she told me that it wasn't but also said that she felt like it was not her place to tell me the real cause of the death. Well, I think it over and I decide the next time that I see Diane, I would explain to her that I have known Steve since like high school and he's not just some local customer that I met at work. A few days pass and I see Diane at shift again. Mind you, I work very late from like 9pm to 2am usually. And before I get a chance to talk to her, the manager comes in and Diane goes out to the front to talk to her. I let them have their girl talk for a few minutes. Then I go outside to let the manager know that I need to quickly use the restroom. Well, when I go outside, I overhear Diane say something along the lines of, yeah, it's messed up that they would make the wife pay money to have the brains all over the place cleaned up. The manager replied, oh yeah, she's going to most likely be getting a bill for that cleanup. When I heard this, I knew. I went back inside the store and just felt so sad for my friend Steve. I just stared into space for a few minutes and went back outside to find Diane and the manager kind of staring at me as if they knew that I'd heard what she had said and were waiting for me to mention it. I chose not to and I waited until I was alone with Diane to discuss the issue. I explained to her that me and Steve... We were high school friends and she opened up to me after that. Turns out that Diane had an ex who did the same thing a few years back. She really opened up to me about what was going on after this. She told me that Steve had just had a newborn two days before the incident and another boy who was about four. Steve's longtime partner had been with him for like eight years straight without any major hitches. Diane tells me that she has known both Steve and his girlfriend since the first grade. They all grew up together apparently. She tells me that she was driving the car with Steve's girlfriend in the back seat and the widow was finally able to get some sleep in the back seat as Diane was driving. And well then, the four-year-old decides to ask where dad is and why he can't see him anymore. They told the kid that he was with God now. It's all just so horribly sad because the poor child thinks that God kidnapped his dad and now he's mad at God apparently. But this is where things get a bit strange. You see, that night I went to restock beverages in the back. It was around 1am and I suddenly had the sensation that I wasn't alone and it actually felt as if I was with someone that I knew, but I couldn't see them. I had a feeling that my buddy might try to send me a message... I know that's weird, but I thought to myself that if I see anything, I would try my best not to be scared and pass on whatever message that I receive if possible. Well, I grabbed the exact same beverage that I sold him last time that I saw him, 
and put it onto a shelf. I bent over to pick up something else and the drink that I had just put on the shelf got smacked really loudly to the ground as if someone was frustrated or angry and hit it. This made me very uncomfortable obviously and I ended up calling some friends to come and chill with me for the rest of my shift. I even took a few shots of whiskey to calm myself down. Later that night after work I tell my mum what happened. She explains to me that he might be frustrated and angry at his own sad decisions and the fact that it was too late to change it. My mother is a Buddhist so she gives me a Buddhist prayer to play at work to bring positive energy. I play the prayer at work the next day and she also comes to accompany me for part of my shift. But during the prayer, a foam cup also got thrown by nothing and my mum and I both saw it this time. However, this time it felt like a much more, I don't know, like peaceful action without anger behind it. Again, I know that's weird to say but that's just how I interpreted it. Almost as if he was saying that he heard the prayer. My mum told me that she felt that this was him trying to communicate. In my opinion, the prayer did what it was supposed to do and I feel as if he left peacefully and the foam cup being lightly tossed was his way of saying, hey man, I'm sorry I scared you the other day. It's time for me to go. I miss my buddy and I hope anyone who hears this that is going through tough times in life gets through it and chooses to live on. Things like this are never the right path and... It will only lead to more pain for everyone involved. I still think about all of this a lot and to be honest, I can't really make any sense of it other than that something paranormal happened. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Be Scared podcast. And please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode too. Also, it would be much appreciated if you could share this new podcast with your friends and family and on social media too. Thanks again for listening, guys, and I'll see you mates in the next one. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.